This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann. I'm at Otago Polytechnic Tipukanga today, and I'm joined from Fakatani by Mawera Karatai. Kira Mawera. Sam. How's it going? It's going very well indeed. What's the plan for the weekend? Uh, a trip to Gisborne uh, to drop off a bike and a kayak, and then home to see my friend Julie Vasey uh, have her muku kawai done. And we've interviewed Julie a long time ago, amazing, beautiful human being. It's going to be just a, a really great to be with her and her whanau uh, as she uh, receives her mokokawai. That sounds fun and important. And yeah. who, that's fun and important, are we introducing today? Speaking of fun and important, Jeannie Hayden. Jeannie um, is coming to us from Dunedin. Uh, she is the... Festival Director for Wild Needham, which I cannot wait to hear about. Sounds right up my street. Welcome, Jeannie. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Lovely to be with you. And um, I'll be interested to see where this conversation leads. <laughs> Kia ora, Jeannie. Where are you, Jeannie? Uh, I live in, on Portobello at home. I work from home. Um as uh, Moira says, we uh, I'm in the uh, I'm the festival director of Wild Dunedin, um, so we don't have offices. We just work from home, and uh, there's me and a couple of other people of part time work on the festival, and the rest of the time I'm tending our 50 acres of land just down from the Portobello pub. For the locals <laughs> need to know about that it's uh and Harawaka is right overlooking us which is lovely we've been asking people how their lockdown life was how their bubbles were i know it's turned into history but <clears throat> how was your how was bubbles in portobello oh it was uh it was lovely um it didn't really change much for us because it is very peaceful here you can get away and uh, be amongst nature in 50 acres very easily. Um, lots of locals went for walks. So there's a, um, a public road up past our place, so we could wave at people there. Um, and, of course, it happened over the time when our festival was running. So we had to cancel that. Um, but I was quite busy over that time because we did a... Um, your wild bubble sort of publication with uh, stories and activities to do in your own backyard. So we managed to do that during the 
um, lockdown. But they, uh, it's, um, we were supposed to have our photo every year. We have a, a gimmick photo of ourselves um, doing something to do with the theme of the next year's festival. However, quite a few of the team have come down with COVID again, so it hasn't gone away, has it? Um, so uh, we still have that disruption two years on. But, um, uh, yes, the lockdown was certainly uh, it was quite scary because you didn't know anything about COVID at that time. But, um, you know, we all got through it. <laughs> Have the... <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> has the has the thinking that that was brought on by the the lockdown has that prompted you to think differently about how events are run not just as contingency for getting locked down again but has it has it changed the nature of those sorts of events um yeah well our our festival has about 100 events, but a lot of them, um, because of the nature of them, getting close to nature or in small workshops, they were under most of the number. We, You know, we weren't having massive gatherings and stadiums. And um, so we were under the last festival we had to still be, we were really operating under Code Red. So we had to limit the number of people and have personal spacing. And um, I guess what it does is you just have this sense behind you that you've always got to have a safety plan ready to go. But um, I'm quite used to that. I, I spent my formative years in television production where the rule is if anything can go wrong, it will go wrong. And we were filming wildlife all over the world. So there was always, you'd always, you know, think about, oh, what's going to go wrong? Looking out for icebergs is what I used to call it. So I guess it makes you a lot more tentative about um, doing events that are going to cost a lot of money because we may have to cancel. And, you know, the word has been that it could take five years to get back to normal. So um, it feels pretty much back to normal now, but uh, already. It's, so there is still disruption, though. So, but we uh, people are also hesitant to go out into um, gatherings of people, uh, large gatherings. So, I I think the way our festival's structured, um, and a lot of our events are outdoors and in nature, it's probably the safest sort of festival to put on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's take the first of your music. Let's have Van Morrison, Brown Eyed Girl. Girl. 
And what ever happened The Tuesday and so slow Gone down the old man with a transistor radio Standing in the sunlight laughing Hiding high a rainbow's wall Slipping and sliding All along the waterfall with you A brown eyed girl We used to sing sha la 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 just like that sha la 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 Before the break, you're talking about the disruption on the Wild Dunedin Festival, and you talked briefly about the what of your wild bubble. How did that play out? Well, it was um, because I think the holidays, our whole festival, a lot of it is about is focused on the, it's over the school holidays, and it's focused on parents, grandparents all going, um, you know, taking the children to entertain them during the holidays. So um, by the time we got our thing out, it wasn't, there was a lot of stuff out there, but it was like we just had to try to do something. So I think we got about 5,000 views or something, which which is quite good, (laughs) Uh, but um, nothing like having a festival. And it just kept our, our um, you know, in mind that we still existed. So, um, and and for the bubble, we really focused, because uh, we have a lot of contributors. We have probably 30 um, Dunedin businesses or organisations or NGOs all um, contributing in lots of small community groups. So quite a few of those um people contributed material for us and and the focus was what you know your backyard has a lot of nature in it you don't have to be um go far to be um you know in contact with nature next year our theme is on um whenua it's on the earth and the soil and um so we're 
each year we have a sort of loose theme on nature because nature is so broad. So each year we we have uh, another theme and um, my offsider Suzanne and I are really keen on this theme because we are very passionate gardeners and this is all about, you know, helping people learning to be more um, resilient and be able to grow food in their own backyards and to actually understand um you know, gardening with a lot of people is a battle instead of actually trying to understand how it all works. So we're trying to go from a nature point of view about gardening and introducing sort of uh, more like concepts of permaculture rather than having a weed-free garden. <laughs> Talking about Fenua, you said that you're on 50 acres. I just looked that up because it always confuses me, even though I used to work in this field, it always confuses me how big an, an acre is. But I've looked it up. You'll be happy to know that the size of 39 football fields, 85 white houses, 13,600 shipping containers, or 68,000 pool tables. So what are you doing yes. on enough land to have 68,000 pool tables? Well, uh, probably 30 years ago, it was a sheep farm. Um, we we moved here in 2015. The previous owners did a um, shut the gates, probably, and it's 30 years the gates have been shut, no sheep or cattle, and it's regenerated uh, into native bush. So half of it, he also put covenants on, on from... Um, the QE2 Trust, where you can say, secure that the land will never be, the trees will never be mowed down again. Um, our peninsula, unfortunately, was almost totally burnt out and um, it, it had huge biodiversity, but in a probably our little, with our property and our other three neighbours, it's probably the largest amount of regenerating and and patches of old bush left on the peninsula so uh, the four of us the four neighbors are trying to repair some of that damage that was done um, apparently I mean I've I've heard that when the early settlers came into through the heads of Otago Harbour they actually couldn't hear they had to shout it was like a stadium full of birds and whales and all this amazing wildlife. So um, we've got a lot to repair. So we're doing a little bit at the end of our careers <laughs> when uh, we can have time to uh, maybe not the energy of a 30-year-old, but um, we are also very uh, happy to see how, how the regeneration is working. Uh, we also plant trees, but um, and there weren't any real food trees here. So I've planted two orchards and oh, probably about three different fruit and fruit tree areas on the on the flats, which aren't part of the covenant. But it's quite a it's we're right beside um, Herawaka or Harbour Cone. Um, which is probably the most um, uh, well, it, it's it, it's the most visible sort of landform on the harbour, 
And so we're right beside that, but we, a lot of the land is very um, steep. So it may be um, how many football fields, but it's not <laughs> flat like a football <laughs> <laughs> It's quite steep. It should never, ever have been farmed. We'd see um, great gouges where the water used to run off. But now um, when we have tonnes of rain because of all the forest cover, it just, everything runs clear and it doesn't run madly. The forest actually soaks it up. Um, as they say, there's almost like the quantity of a lake under a forest so of water. It holds it on the land. So um, we're very, we feel very privileged to be here. And at times it seems like an awful lot of work, but... <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, such a, it gives you so much to hear the birds and, and we've even got the little rifleman here, the smallest bird, uh, Titi Punamu, and he, uh, uh, I, I can hear them, but my husband can't, but they're so tiny. It's almost like you could think you're seeing a moth or a butterfly and it's this tiny little bird. So it's amazing the pleasure that you get from seeing that through trapping and all these things that that um, nature's slowly coming back. It's winning. <laughs> With the help of some particularly strong community and conservation groups on the peninsula, maybe it's because yeah. it's a peninsula, yeah. it lends itself to that focused approach to the place and to the environment. Yes, um, the Otago Peninsula Biodiversity Group's great. They they come here, they do trapping, they do videoing to see who's eating the baits. Um, they um, uh, they're testing all different sort of traps. They've got um, over twenty one thousand, I think, or may maybe more possums off the peninsula, which is amazing. And suddenly you've got mistletoe everywhere um, and uh, uh, people used to say in Macandrew Bay further down they in the townships they never used to get any apples but suddenly they're laden because all the fruit and the roses and all those things also benefit from not having possums but um, it's a big it's a big undertaking and the volunteers are absolutely amazing and we also have a SWAT team that comes here who go around um, seaweeds and terminate is what it means. <laughs> so they go around, uh, mainly women, and they're in under the gorse and, you know, <laughs> after uh, passion, banana passion fruit, which is a, uh, a real problem here because it um, feeds rats. So... Yeah, no, it's wonderful. Uh, that's um, I'm not so much um, someone who can go out and kill out the pests. So I, I find rat, I, I absolutely hate rats. But so what I, what I am doing is doing the festival. I think you know I'll try to do that for nature um, and plant trees and things. <laughs> Any. You, um, you've got a real heart and mind for your community, which um, 
you know, I hear that in, when you're talking about the work that you're doing on the whenua, um, also with the festival, and it sounds like through your whole career, um, it's been pretty evident. What has inspired that connection to the community and that willingness to serve the community as you do? Where's that come from? It was probably, I was brought up in Southland in a farming community, and it was a small community. Everyone knew one another, and you sort of see firsthand in the country how important uh, community is. Um, and, of course, communities change. We we were, our children were brought up here in Portobello, and then we moved to town when the road seemed to be such, you know, there were so many things they wanted to do in town, so we moved to town. And then we went overseas for a year and came back. And when we were overseas, we realised that the only place to be was back down here. So we moved back down um, to the peninsula. And um, I've never regretted it because people in Dunedin would say, well, this is way back in the 80s, oh, why are you moving way down there? You know, but it's it's um, now we have an amazing um, road and cycle track, and uh, it'll be uh, it's very easy to commute from town. And um, the good thing about working on the festival here, I don't have to go to town that often, just to have meetings. Um, so it's just lovely being able to walk around and be able to know people on the street and and Portobello's a bit like that. It is a commuter suburb also for Dunedin, but you know, there's lots of local things that that, that people do. The people you know have got your back if you really need anything. So we've got um a decline in uh in people joining like service uh, groups like uh, Rotary and Lions and and even uh, amongst our young people, um, less kids joining uh, like Girl Guides and Scouts and things like that. So mm. there's, there's a real, there's a disconnect away from community service. How do we bring that back? Because it's so much a part of who you are. How, how would you, if you could... Um, if you could teach young people how to engage back into their communities, what would you do? How would you do it? Oh, that's a hard one. I guess the thing is nothing stays the same and those service groups were of a time and um, young people, I mean, even us older ones now, you don't have much time for some reason. <laughs> and in the old days, it was a socialisation thing. We're now with social media and things. Um, I know with Wild Dunedin, we totally rely on volunteers and it is hard to find people, but you've got to be able to uh, reward them and make them feel uh special that they can get something from it and so um you know and they are the face of our festival because they welcome people and everything and we've been very lucky because of our university here that um, we just put a um a call out and we got some amazing uh people uh to to volunteer but that's only for like one or two weeks a year 
so it's quite different it's a different commitment and i think um you know like you've got the student army and things and they're they're doing it their own way i don't know have do you have um <laughs> any answers to that from all the I, people you talk to i ponder it a lot um because i'm involved in a lot of organizations community-based <laughs> organizations uh, here in the eastern bay of plenty and it's a it's a problem that I think people are experiencing all around yeah. the country and certainly all around the world. Um, but, you know, for something that was such a big part of our communities, it's becoming problematic that we are a community that that runs on the work of volunteers. So, yes. Yeah, interesting times. Well, also women um, stayed at home longer and... I mean, I started a plant fair here years ago and that was all from a number of us all meeting as a play group and then finding a way to make a fundraiser for the school and play centre. And um, that was, uh, but all of us were basically at home with young children and that was in the 80s. Now young people can't afford because of the house prices and there's only so much you can fit in your day to give, mm. you know. So um, I don't know what the – it'll be very interesting to see how society moves forward because, yep, we do need volunteers and we do need people, you know, unpaid work. I, I It sort of like has to be – it's a – it's a bit like valuing nature as an economics. It's we've got to start valuing what people do for uh, voluntary because it is a financial benefit to Indeed. to the country. I was but, uh, talking to an employer the other day who said to me that if he got two CVs from young people and they were identical in every way but one of them had done some sort of volunteering he's always going to pick that person oh that's interesting yeah because it shows it... a type of personality a willingness to serve for the sake of serving yeah yeah well that um you're at the polytech sam perhaps that's that you can spread the word there <laughs> <laughs> Of that, you know, young people, I know they really do want to be able to have things on their CV, eh? Yeah, and particularly with a shift from from what you learn to much more of a capabilities approach, that that, yeah. <clears throat> that, that can just as easily be learned through activities like volunteering as it can from reading a textbook or, or listening to a lecture if not better yeah yeah because it connects you to people bubble sprite of the forest of orakanui dinin's favorite goddess tahu mackenzie kia ora koutou i hope you're all having best day beautiful superstars in your beloved universes and i really hope wherever you are and whatever's happening around you this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more each day. Who you are, a triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique 
and here making things. Thank you. Now I know that for us all the last more than two and a half years have been very tricky. We've had to work so hard to look after one another and ourselves in so many new ways. We've had to adapt, we've had to change, we've had to be very flexible, we've had to be very ingenious, we're very creative and of course we've had to be very resilient. So at this time it's so important that we give ourselves and each other the love, the compassion, the support, the understanding, the space to recover and to process everything that has taken place. I speak to you now as I'm venturing forth having just been at the beautiful Carisbrook School end of year celebration. It was very exciting. Had lots and lots of different stalls from all over the world. Different food, different customary, amazing rituals, lots of beautiful colour, lots of beautiful music, lots of beautiful performances from the Tamariki and a sense of real togetherness and oneness as a community, which was very inspiring. And of course, for us all, it's so important that we find ways to connect once again, that feel comfortable, that feel safe for us. And it was wonderful to see everybody coming together really joyfully and really in such a spirit of openness and security. I know for myself, of course, the living world has been a great comfort to me in this time. And of course, my work with the beautiful young people in our community has also served as a great source of ongoing nourishment and has sustained me over this time. I was very lucky today also to have a group visit me at my heart's home workplace, Orokanui Eco Sanctuary Adventure Development. And they're an amazing group who work with young people and have nature therapy experiences for them, which I'm very grateful to be part of. And this is so inspiring for me and really something I would like to do more of. And of course, such a, such a powerful time that we find ourselves in, so many different ways of doing, being, seeing, feeling, that having these constants, having these reminders of cycles in nature, the cycles within ourselves and around ourselves, that, that everything transforms, that everything finds new ways to live together and nothing is ever wasted, nothing is ever gone, nothing ever leaves us, it just changes form. This of course is very reassuring. We're also very lucky here in Aotearoa Stunedin that we have such a passionate community of nature lovers and really everybody finds a way to connect with the living world here, whether that's our beautiful ocean, whether that's our beautiful mountains, whether that's our beautiful forest and all of the lovely creatures who live there. There's a place and a space for everybody to connect. So I really hope for you, you're having the opportunity to enjoy being together again with those you love and enjoying these experiences of celebration and togetherness as we head towards the end of the year and Christmas and solstice and New Year. I really hope that you're having the opportunity to rest and reflect and take stock and feel really proud, feel really accomplished having made it through all this time to where we find ourselves now. And of course, being part of the show is a huge pleasure for me and a huge honor for me. So I want to thank Sam and the whole Blown Bubbles team for having me. 
it's meant so much to me it means so much to me and being able to connect with all of you is such a pleasure and i'll look forward to talking to you again soon thanks so much Kakite. you're listening to blowing bubbles we're talking with jenny hayden Jenny, tell us about Wild Dunedin and the, the project and when it is. Um, the pro, the, it's on every year and it's around International Earth Day. It's in April and this year it's from the 14th of April right through to the 23rd of April. So it's through most of the school holidays and it's running for 10 days this year because um, just the way the holidays were structured. Um, and then we thought there were lots of complaints last year because as, as I had mentioned, the events are quite small in number, you know, like the number of people who can attend and lots of events were booked out. So we're trying to encourage people to do um, more than one event on those really popular ones. And over two weeks, you can do that. So, um, we're basically a committee, a voluntary committee, and around the table we have uh, really good partners. We've got Orokanui Eco Sanctuary, uh, Monarch Wildlife Tour- Cruises, we've got Larnet Castle, Otago Museum, um, and uh, Otako Marae. Oh, yeah, I'm trying to think if I've missed anyone else. I hope not. <laughs> and um, and Larnet Castle, I think I said that. So we we um, it was probably it was started. Uh, it was an idea way back in 2014 by Neil Haraway, who runs Monarch Tours, and uh, a group of people who were mainly in wildlife tourism thought we really need to give the city council a bit of a helping hand to promote what amazing wildlife we have down here. Quite iconic southern uh, marine wildlife. Um, And so we thought, let's try to make a festival and let's put it on the school holidays. So it's something that we can encourage our locals to participate in and our operators gave um, cheap cheaper deals so to encourage locals and because uh, it was a, a shoulder season when we started for tourists so they could um, afford to give uh, they really wanted to let locals see I mean locals hadn't gone and seen our penguins or albatross and been on the monarch so this was an opportunity um, to get them out there because we felt this if locals don't know about it they won't fight for it if there's anything that we need to fight so we then got a lot of uh, small community groups from conservation groups they all um, said they would like to do an event in this time and it was um its first festival, I think I came on board in February and we went, We it was in April that year. So we didn't have much of a run-up time. We didn't have hardly any money. We got um, a sponsorship by the regional council, which allowed us to print a small program. And um, we've taken off from there. And this next festival will be the 8th 
festival or eighth year of a festival. And so we never thought it would last this long. <laughs> we still really need um, uh, to ensure we get funding from our funding bodies and we're uh, really well supported by the Dunedin City Council and, re and the uh, regional event funding over these last couple of really difficult years while we try to get you know, uh, business sponsors. It's not a good time to be asking business sponsors now. And um, so we, every year we've, we've, it sort of started, it was very generalist. And then as the years got, went on, we thought, well, let's have a focus. Everything is not themed, but it's focused. And every year we look at a new thing. And that actually ensures that the program gets a, a new look and vitality every year. It means that we can the images that drive that festival that year are um, are all new from um, just showing penguins and sea lions and things. And uh, so we've had fresh water, we've had um, a sea, We've and this year we're having whenua, which is our soil and earth, and that is also an excuse to be able to bring an invertebrates, which most people don't know that much about or really hate them because they're not cute and cuddly, like well, not that a seal or sea lion is cuddly, but they are cute to look at and they are impressive. So, we're going to be opening the world of uh, people's eyes to what lives in the soil and what depends on the soil and how really the soil is our, it's our saving. It'll, it'll help save the planet if we can save the soil. So, um, and every year we'll do another thing. So we couldn't do it without all our contributors who, you know, volunteer time. They make a lot of their... Um, events free so that more people can we want it to be very accessible to um, all families and the hardest thing about running a festival really is trying to get the word out there <laughs> so that's the hardest thing is actually just letting people know because I don't know how many times I think oh I've ne oh I didn't know you're on and and it's just so expensive to do that um and unless you uh, so we're thinking longevity helps word of mouth and we're really focusing this year on going towards the drive market because if covid comes again people feel happier in cars um you know so we'll there's a there's so much um, um tap possibility uh, from Otago South and Canterbury that we will, will push our marketing to. But um, the events, they keep rolling in by people and it's um, really lovely that all these little groups and the businesses, and now we're including restaurants and things, so we have more Dunedin businesses benefiting. Um, it's nice to be all part of one entity just for two weeks once a year. So, um, you know, that's what we're about.
I see that your event actually runs over the school holidays and the April school holidays next year. That's yeah. amazing. An, an actual event that is, you know, going to give our kids something to keep them properly entertained over the holidays. That's wonderful. Oh, thank you, Moe. Let's take the second of your music choices. Let's have Judy Garland, Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Why this one? Oh, that was, it's something that I, I remember from a child and I remembered seeing the movie. I was terrified of, of parts of Wizard of Oz, but um, I just loved the song as well. I even, I had it on my wedding as well. <laughs> so it's just, and she's got a beautiful voice. Next year's festival is themed Fenua. As you know, we've tried to run a swimming walking tour for the last two wild Dunedins, but been COVIDed both times. We have to think of a twist to make Fenua apply oh, to a no, swimming a swimming no. nature tour. <laughs> We're taking your feet off the Fenua. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it, not every event has to uh, be slavishy. We have lots of events that um, uh, that actually don't have a connection to that particular theme, but they're favourites, and they're all, as long as they've got a connection to nature. And 
by going into that cold water. I think last time you were going to have someone um, interpret Pudding Island or something. Yeah, that's way, so. The, the the plan is that about three stations around a reasonably short swimming course. Um, that we have people in the water doing a nature tour in the water because it's such yeah. – but around Porting Island and things, it's so interesting in terms – like you're, that's right in the middle of a volcano and it's really, really obvious yeah. when, you're, when you're out there. That's not so obvious when you're on the land. No. Oh. And um, is there much there? Is there do you well, see there's, there's – on the other side of the Pudding Island, the, the rocks are really sort of twisted and look like they come from a furnace. Right. Um, there's also some really, really good rocks, probably too far to swim to for, for most people, on um, on the northern side of Yellowhead as you go in from there. There's some really, yeah. really nice rock formations. So there's certainly things that we could talk about, about the land yeah. from the sea. Oh, well, you'll definitely be able to do that when we have geology. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> No, we're doing it next year. Don't 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 put us off. We're doing it next year. We, we it was actual lockdown the first time, and then the second time, what was it? Oh, because we are an open water event, we couldn't guarantee that no one that wasn't vaccinated could join the event because yeah. someone right. could swim in from the other side. Yeah, but we have no so control over you, that. No. So, are you welcoming other people? They have to register, do they? People we were registering because, yeah, we. I think that they we were registering for for the COVID protocols. We have to yeah. we have to know who's in the water. Yes, um, you do for safety, don't yeah, you? Yeah, for safety. So, um, but we could do that. We could do that. You know, sign up on the day or or yeah. do that before because it's we don't actually need to know in advance how many people there are. Yeah, no, we'll get there. I have some questions to end the show with. Mm-hmm. and not very much time. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Well, outside of the festival, my biggest success for me as a mum is that all three of my children are going to be in the city this year, <laughs> come back, <laughs> and, uh, and that our, our uh, son is going, is, has moved back home to this home property and um, is establishing a uh, commercial kitchen. So it means that we have help on the land as we age and um, that a business can operate here to ensure that it's continued to be maintained. Um, So for me, uh, from my private things, that would be that. I guess the um, from the festival... uh, I don't. I don't know. There's not like one big hit, hit thing that I can think of. But I, the loveliest thing is when you know you see, grandmas taking inviting all the kids from, say, uh, from this one particular grandmother who comes every year, and she gets all her children, uh, all her grandchildren from, uh, Invercargill. <laughs> To come up and they just the first thing they do is get the program and and you know and when you hear because you don't know everyone who goes but when you see that you think well that's worth it these people are coming back again and those children will have memories about you know 
taking part in learning about nature with grandmother. So that is certainly very important. We are writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in that team. What's your superpower? I don't really have a superpower. <laughs> I, I, I can't imagine what. I am a good cook. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so I uh, love cooking and I can make something out of not much at all. And I use a lot the gardeners and play, as Master Chef says with me. <laughs> Do you consider yourself to be an activist? No, I no, I'm not really. No, I I think I'm sort of like just um, maybe a publicist for nature, not an activist. Um, that's why I chose the path of the festival. I like bringing people together. I like seeing, um, uh, working in teams where everyone gets along and our committee gets along really, really well. And, um, yeah, I... Yeah. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Um, there, oh, I don't... Lots of things, but... Uh, well, our little dogs get me out of bed and the um, a number of jobs. I'm actually too scared to write them all down to do on the property. And uh, look, here he is now. Um, <laughs> just that I just feel that every life's pretty, pretty, uh, been very kind to me. So <laughs> we're in the um, Advent season. So what does Christmas look like? Christmas will be, uh, I have my grandson here for Christmas, which is lovely, um, and um, and our family living here, so it'll be a family Christmas, and um, our neighbours who are Swiss, German, they're coming uh, to join us with their niece, nieces and niece and boyfriend from Switzerland, so we'll have a bit of international um input as well so it'll be just at home here and uh, hopefully the weather's kind it's not always kind in Otipoti <laughs> but <laughs> and lastly do you have any advice for our listeners um well as this is about being sustainable I think really just and every and just look at any little way that you can help help the earth, whether it is um, trying to uh, trying to recycle or avoid recycling and just buying things without uh, without um, all that packaging um, buy local and try to grow something even if it's herbs or lettuces you can grow them even on a balcony you, it's just one less thing that you're putting pressure on the ecosystem so um everyone can do something i know it gets rather daunting it seems all doom and gloom but 
you feel much better if you've actually think uh, think thinking about what you can do yourself. Thank you for that, Mawira. Jeannie, um, thank you for the incredible commitment that you've made to community over the course of your career so far and um, this wonderful thing you've done with Wild Dunedin and I am excited to see how that grows over time. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing that you do and now with the development of your land and enabling people access to that so that they can engage with nature in a safe way, um, it's just an extraordinary um, thing that you've done there. And so um, all the best for, for what comes from all of that and for the Christmas season. And uh, we hope that we wish you a really happy 2023. Kia ora. Thanks for joining us. Kia ora, Maria. Thank you. Thank you. Kia ora. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light Next year all our troubles will be out of sight Have yourself a merry little Christmas Make the Yuletide gay Next year all our troubles will be miles away Once again as in olden days Happy golden days of yore Faithful friends who are dear to us Will be near to us You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic, which it's brought to you by Tipu Kanga. We broadcast on Otago Access Radio every Monday, Wednesday and Friday afternoons at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is Birdie. I'm Samuel Mann at Otago Polytechnic in Dunedin with Mawera Karatai in Fakatani and from Portobello on the Otago Peninsula. We've been joined by Jeannie Hayden. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. Marty Wa. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.